And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today's November the 3rd, 307th day of the year. 58 days remain to the year's over with. And guess what, folks? Tomorrow, November 4th, is National Candy Day. So rush out and buy up all the candy you can find. It's National Homemaker Day today. National Sandwich Day. <coughs> Gleesh Day. Culture Day in Japan. Dominican Independence Day. Fountain Pen Day. Haven't seen many of those lately. Give Somebody a Dollar Day. Independence of Cuenca. C-U-E-N-C-A. Cuenca. Hmm. Jellyfish Day. Love Your Lawyer Day. That's a horrible day. National Accessory Day. National Housewife Day. National Jersey Day. Separation Day. Uh, Smart Home Day. And Victory Day in the Maldives. Well... In 361 A.D., Emperor Constantinus II dies of a fever at uh, Upasuita in uh, Seleuke. On his deathbed, he's baptized and declares his cousin Julian rightful successor. That's an interesting philosophy. Be as mean and as objectionable as you want to be and in your last minutes be baptized. Do everything you can do to let the Lord know you're coming. Because in those last few minutes, you can make up for a lifetime of being a royal SOB. And I wish. 1333, the River Arno floods, causing massive damage in Florence, as recorded by the Florentine chronicle Giovanni Villani. 1468, Liege is sacked by Charles I of Burgundy's troops. 1492, Peace of at Apples, between Henry VII of England and Charles VIII of France. 1493, Christopher Columbus first sights the island of Dominica in the Caribbean Sea. 1534, English Parliament passes the first act of supremacy, making Henry VIII head of the Anglican Church, supplanting the Pope and the Roman Catholic Church. You know, it's interesting that um, it was a vote that decided that the Pope was the head of the church and he was infallible. Yeah. We got much the same philosophy in Congress. 1783, the American Continental Army is disbanded. 1793, French Prevalent journalist and feminist Olympe de Gouget is guillotined. 1812, Napoleon's army is defeated at the Battle of Vazma. He didn't lose many. 1817, the Bank of Montreal, Canada's oldest chartered bank, opens in Montreal. 1838, the Times of India, the world's largest circulated English language daily broadsheet newspapers founded as the Bombay Times and Journal of Commerce. 1848, the greatly revised Dutch Constitution that transfers much authority from the king to his parliament ministers is proclaimed. 
Yeah, when, when everybody decided they were getting tired of the, of the royalty, they did a lot of things like this. 1867, Giuseppe Garibaldi and his followers were defeated in the Battle of Montana and failed to end the Pope's uh, temporal power in Rome. Three years later, it did come to pass. 1868, John Willis Menard, Republican of Louisiana, is the first African-American elected to the U.S. Congress. Because of an electoral challenge, he was never seated. 1881, the Mapuche Uprising of 1881 begins in Chile. 1898, France withdraws its troops from Fashoda, now in Sudan, ending the Fashoda incident. The, uh, for those that are not familiar with the Fashoda incident, also known as the Fashoda Crisis, climax of imperialist territorial disputes between Britain and France in East Africa. It occurred between July 10th to November 3rd of 1898. French expedition of Fashoda on the White Nile sought to gain control of the Upper Nile River Basin and exclude Britain from Sudan entirely. French part in a British-Egyptian force, outnumbering the French by 10 to 1, met on friendly terms, but uh, back in Europe it was a war scare. British held firm as both empires stood on the verge of war with heated rhetoric on both sides. And finally, under heavy pressure, the French withdrew, ensuring Anglo-Egyptian control over the area. But during the late 19th century, just for future reference, Africa was rapidly being claimed and colonized by European colonial powers. Well, 1903, with the encouragement of the U.S., Panama separates from Colombia. There was, at one point in time, Colombia pretty much owned Panama, and they were going to build a canal. And a lot of the folks wanted the canal through uh, Colombia. But Panama was the one that the U.S. selected, and the French did the initial work, I think. And when the uh, Panamanians decided to split from Colombia, while we were not directly involved, we did land U.S. Marines to separate the warring powers. So the Colombians, rather than fight with us, uh, let the Panamanians go their own way. And so began the country of Panama. And how have they been so grateful? Treating us like dirt, as does everybody else. 1908, William Howard Taft is elected Trans-Civic President. 1911, Chevrolet officially enters the automobile market in competition with the Ford Model T. And with the Ford Model T, you could have anything you wanted as long as it, the color was black. 1918, German Revolution of 1918 begins with 40,000 sailors taking over the port of Kiel, or Kyle. 1920, Russian Civil War. Russian army retreats to Crimea after successful offensive by the Red Army and Revolutionary Insurgent Army of Ukraine. 1929, Guangzhou Student Independence Movement occurred. For those not familiar with that, it was a protest in Guangzhou between October and November 1929 against the Japanese occupation of Korea. Considered the second most important Korean independence movement in the period of the Japanese occupation, 
with the March 1st movement considered the most important rebellion. 1930, Getulio Vargas becomes head of the provisional government in Brazil after a bloodless coup on October 24th. Uh, remember, in the late part of the 1800s, Brazil was an empire, had a royal family, the whole nine yards. And the uh, they wound up, now Brazil, of course, is officially the Federative Republic of Brazil. It's the largest country in South America and Latin America. Fifth largest country by area and seventh most populous. Um, but it's, um, you don't hear much about it, but it's always been a major player. 1932, Panagis. Saldaras becomes the 142nd Prime Minister of Greece. 1939, George II of Greece regains his throne through a popular, though possibly fixed, plebiscite. 1936, Franklin D. Roosevelt is elected the 32nd President of the U.S. 1942, World War II, the Coley Point action begins during the Guadalcanal campaign and ends on November 12th. This was an engagement between the the Marine Corps and the Army and Imperial Japanese Army forces. Uh, U.S. forces were under the overall command of Major General Alexander Vandergrift, while the Japanese forces were under the overall command of Lieutenant General Arokichi Hayakutaki. Uh, the um, Well, the, this was a, a major part of the Guadalcanal campaign. 1943, World War II, 500 aircraft of the U.S. 8th Air Force devastate Wilhelm, Wilhelm Haven Harbor in Germany. 1944, two supreme commanders of the Slovak National Uprising, Generals uh, Jan Golian and Rudolf Wiest, are captured, tortured, and executed by German forces. 1946, the Constitution of Japan is adopted through the Emperor's assent. 1949, Chinese Civil War, Battle of Dingbu Island occurs. 1950, Air India Flight 245 crashes into the Mont Blanc while on approach to Geneva Airport, killed off 48 people on board. 1956, Suez Crisis, the Khan Yunus killings by the Israeli Defense Force and Egyptian-controlled Gaza result in the deaths of 275 Palestinians. The Khan Yunus killings, or the Khan Yunus massacre, uh, took place on November 3rd, carried out by the IDF in the Palestinian town of Khan Yunus and the nearby refugee camp. According to Benny Morris, doing an IDF operation to reopen the Egyptian-blockaded Straits of Tehran, Israeli soldiers shot 200 Palestinians in Khan Yunus and Rafah. Um, according to the Israelis, the IDF ran into local militants and the battle erupted. 
depending on who screams the loudest, these days that's what determines what the truth is. What really happened really doesn't matter anymore. 1956, Hungarian Revolution. New Hungarian governments formed, in which many members of banned non-communist parties participate. Janos Kadar and Ferenc Munik form a counter-government in Moscow as Soviet troops prepare for the final assault. 1957, the Sputnik uh, program. Soviet Union launches Sputnik 2. On board is the first animal to orbit, a dog named Laika, who went on to become an honored member of parliament. 1960, the land that would become the Great Swamp National Wildlife Refuge is established by the Act of Congress. After a year-long legal battle and pitted local residents against Port Authority of New York and New Jersey officials wanting to turn the Great Swamp into a major regional airport for jet aircraft. 1961, Youth is unanimously appointed the third Secretary General of the UN, becoming the first non-European individual to occupy that post. 1964, Lyndon, I'm going to be King Johnson, is elected to a full term as U.S. President. Won 61% of the vote in 44 states. Washington, D.C. residents able to vote in the presidential election for the first time, casting a majority of their votes for Lyndon Johnson. But from what we have learned, Democrats love to affix elections. 1967, Vietnam War, Battle of Tat Tu begins. 1969, Vietnam War, President Richard Nixon addresses the nation on TV and radio, asking the silent majority to join him in solidarity on the Vietnam War effort and to support his policies. 1973, Mariner Program, NASA launches Mariner 10 toward Mercury. March 29, 1974, becomes the first space probe to reach that planet. 1975, four Bangladeshi politicians are killed in the Dhaka Central Jail. 1978, Dominica gained its independence from the UK. 1979, Greensboro Massacre. Five members of the Communist Workers' Party are shot dead and seven are wounded by a group of Klansmen and two neo-Nazis during a Death to the Klan rally in Greensboro, North Carolina. 1980, a Latin Carga Convair CV-880 crashes at Simon Bolivar International Airport in Venezuela. Four people are killed. 1982, the Salang Tunnel Line in Afghanistan kills... Um, I'm sorry, the Salang Tunnel Fire in Afghanistan killed 150 to 2,000 people. Um... Now, officially, the number of casualties recorded is between 168 and 176 Soviet and Afghan soldiers and civilians. Despite this, Western media said the incident may have been the deadliest known road accident and one of the deadliest fires in modern times. Death toll estimates by the media was 2,700 to 3,000 people, including 700 Soviet soldiers. The um, Salang Tunnel, which allows motor traffic to bypass the infamous Salang Pass, or, was completed by Soviet engineers in 1964, and it has major strategic importance. Prior to the 82 fire, on um, February 23, 1980, carbon monoxide built up in the tunnel killed 16 um, Soviet soldiers. 
Now, not a lot of facts are known about the fire. All information available constitutes a little more hearsay, in part because the Soviet army wasn't inclined to reveal massive losses during wartime. And neither the Soviet or the Afghan governments confirmed any incident con uh, occurred at all. Most sources agree it involved a Soviet army convoy traveling south through the tunnel. According to Soviet army records on November 3rd, two military convoys collided in the Salang Tunnel, causing a traffic jam, but they didn't ag admit that there was a fire or a, um, an explosion. 1986, the Iran-Contra affair. Lebanese magazine Ash Shirara reports the U.S. has been secretly selling weapons to Iran in order to secure the release of seven American hostages held by pro-Iranian groups in Lebanon. And speaking of Iran... I got a notice right before I went on the air that um, in spite of rumors to the contrary, there's a very powerful rebel faction in Iran, and they blew up uh, Iran's major power plant yesterday. And yes, you heard in the background, the peanut gallery is winding up. 1986, the Compact of Free Association becomes law, granting the Federated States of Micronesia and the Marshall Islands independence from the United States. I didn't know we owned them. 1988, Sarah Lankan Tamil mercenaries attempt to overthrow the Maldivian government. At President Mamoun Abdul Gaikam's request, the Indian Army suppresses the rebellion within 24 hours. 1992, Democratic uh, Arkansas Governor, Governor Bill Clinton defeats Republican President George H.W. Bush and independent candidate Ross Perot in a 1992 U.S. presidential election. A um, lot of interest, even though he is my third cousin, um, Bill Clinton's got a very checkered past. 1996, Abdullah Cuddly, the leader of the Turkish ultra-nationalist organization Grey Wolves, dies in a Susurluk car crash, leading to the resignation of Interior Minister Mehmet Agar, the leader of the True Path Party. 1997, the U.S. imposes economic sanctions on Sudan in response to its human rights abuses of its own citizens and its material and political uh, assistance to Islamic extremist groups across the Middle East and East Africa. 2014, One World Trade Center officially opens in New York City, replacing the Twin Towers after they were destroyed in the September 11th attacks. In 2020, United States presidential election takes place between Democrat Joe Biden and Republican incumbent President Donald Trump. On November 7th, Biden was declared the winner. It's now come to light that there may have been um, some irregularities with the electronic uh, voting machines. That's still being investigated. Okay, in our last few shows, we've been talking about haunted locations. And this is one I haven't been to, I'm going to start out with. It's in San Antonio. And I've been to a lot of haunted places in San Antonio. And it's called the San Fernando Cathedral. 
Now, a number of visitors reported seeing the ghost of a man dressed in black and hooded spirits dressed like monks. There have been claims of seeing faces in the, on the rear walls, one of them belonging to a Jim Bowie, who was married there five years before he died defending the Alamo. Now, Bowie was uh, quite prominent in Texas prior to the Alamo. Well, founded in 1731 and located in the geographic center of the city, the parish of San Fernando is the oldest continuously functioning religious community in Texas, which I didn't know. It's undergone several expansions and renovations in the years since its first cornerstone was laid in 1738. Survived a flood in 1819 and a fire in 1828. During the Battle of the Alamo in 1836, General Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana used it as a lookout, flying a red flag from it to signal to the Texans hold up in the mission that they would receive no mercy from his forces. Well, by 1840, the church was in such bad shape, half its roof was missing. Must have used the roofers we did. Twenty-eight years later, after essential repairs had been made, San Fernando underwent an extensive renovation. The new design included Gothic Revival architecture, three entrances, a gabled roof, and twin bell towers and buttresses. Walls of the original church are part of the sanctuary of today's building, which is why San Fernando claims to be the oldest cathedral in the state of Texas. It was elevated to a cathedral status, I might add, in 1874. Now, when San Fernando's altar was moved during renovations in 1936, Rickman found a small pile of bones. The archbishop at the time ordered the remains to be placed in a crypt near the entrance with a marker that said it was the final resting place of Jim Bowie, David Crockett, and other Alamo heroes. And this claim was based on the 1889 recollection of an elderly former Texas military officer who said he'd collected the charred remains. Of course, there's never been any verification of these claims. Since 1936, San Fernando has become a hotbed of paranormal activity. Visitors reported seeing shadowy figures and orbs uh, in photos they were taken inside. Others have seen the ghost of a galloping white horse. Now, keep in mind that, for example, I wrote several books on the ghost of El Paso, and they were thoroughly researched, and I had to have a historical basis before I'd report something. But one of those that took my books and made a business out of it reported that there was a crypt in one building downtown and a white horse had been seen storming up the street from that crypt. I didn't find any evidence of it. The building in question, yes, had a reputation of being haunted, but I didn't know it. Couldn't find anything about a crypt. Well, you know, one place that's fascinated me, and we're going to go back and talk about it again, has been Alcatraz in San Francisco. It's uh, It started out as a fort. It was originally built to protect San Francisco Bay. You know, the, but there's a lot of stories about Alcatraz. The ghost of Al Capone is said to linger in the prison. 
He spent a lot of downtime practicing the banjo in the shower room and played in a prison band called the Rock Islanders. And a lot of visitors claim to hear somebody strumming on a banjo. With the sounds coming from the shower room, they never find anybody. You know, for thousands of years before it became home to America's most infamous maximum security prison, Alcatraz Island was a nesting place for seabirds. 1775, Spanish explorer Juan Manuel de Aya, who first mapped San Francisco Bay, christened the, that barren spit of rock, La Isla de los Alcatraces, which means the island of the pelicans. California became a state in 1850. President Millard Fillmore, and that's a name for you, issued an executive order reserving Alcatraz for military use. Army first built a fortress on the bird-infested rock, but eventually began using the site for uh, as a detention facility. Federal Bureau of Prisons assumed control of the 22-acre island in 1933. And over the next 29 years, U.S. Penitentiary Alcatraz gained infamy as the toughest jail in the country. It was remote, separated from the mainland by frigid, tide-ripped waters. Penitentiary officials claimed that nobody ever successfully escaped, although um, five of the 36 men who attempted to do so were never found, and they were presumed to have drowned, but there was never any evidence. And it was... It was scary. Occupied by some of the country's deadliest criminals. The most menacing and hard to control were sent to D-Block, which included several cells used for solitary confinement. And among Alcatraz's most well-known inmates were, uh, and I mentioned him earlier, Chicago mobster Al Capone, who spent most of his prison sentence there, fellow gangsters Mickey Cohen, George Machine Gun Kelly, Barnes, and uh, Ellsworth Bumpy Johnson, the godfather of Harlem, also did hard time on the rock. Robert Stroud, known widely as the Birdman of Alcatraz, was a prisoner on the island for 17 years. Stroud, who was serving a life sentence for first-degree murder, came to Alcatraz in 1942 from the Federal Penitentiary in Leavenworth, Kansas, where he'd been incarcerated since 1912. Leavenworth, he became renowned for his study of ornithology and published a well-regarded book on the diseases of canaries. Prison officials, though, didn't care for the filthy conditions he created with this collection of birds and shipped them to Alcatraz, whereas a resident of D-Block, he'd no longer be allowed to keep them. Alcatraz ceased operation in 1963. It was hampered by expensive operational costs and structural decay. Opened up as a tourist attraction in 1973, but retained its atmosphere of eerie menace. Ghost hunters claim that D-Block is the most haunted place on the island. And cell 14-D was used for solitary confinement and earned the nickname The Hole. Visitors to the cell report it's always cold, even in the summertime. Crying and moaning have been heard in other cell blocks, and strange noises have been reported coming from a utility corridor where three inmates were shot and killed during a failed escape attempt. There's many stories about Alcatraz. In fact, I may do a book on haunted prisons. I've collected a lot of stories. Well, from San Francisco, let's cross the country again to New York City. The New Amsterdam Theater. <laughs> 
you know, there are stories that I heard and we live there that the ghost of Olive Thomas appears uh, so frequently at the theater. A mysterious touch on the back has often been reported that uh, Disney was now run as the new Amsterdam, places pictures of her at every entrance so workers can greet her when they arrive in hopes of minimizing her mischief. Well, it was the death of Olive Thomas in 1920 that started a lot of the stories. She's one of the first film star scandals. Starlet from the coal mining town of Charlie Roy, Pennsylvania, had gotten her show business started as a teenager modeling for artists in New York City. A few years later, the beautiful brunette joined Ziegfeld's Follies at the New Amsterdam Theater on 42nd Street. Soon graduated from the Follies to films and money, taking the lead in several of these films. In 1918, she was touted as the first star of the new Selznick Pictures Company. 1920, she was 25 and four years into a stormy marriage to Jack Pickford, the brother of America's sweetheart, Mary Pickford. Olive and Jack fought regularly, including on the night of September 5th when they were out partying in Paris. Got back to her hotel. She drank from a bottle of mercury... Bichloride, a topical solution. Pickford was using to treat his chronic syphilis. Died five days later. And whether it was murder, suicide, or just an accident, as stated in her autopsy, uh, hardly mattered to the press. They had a fine time with this story. The ghost of Thomas has since been spotted, sauntering across the stage in New Amsterdam where she first rose to fame. She wears a green beaded dress and she carries a blue bottle. And a number of people reported encounters. Unfortunately, nobody has a photograph. Well, from New York City, let's go to St. Augustine, Florida. The St. Augustine Lighthouse. You know, another spirit believed to roam the grounds is a former keeper named Joseph Andrew, who died in 1859 when he fell from scaffolding while painting the tower. Since that time, the man in blue has been spotted several times at the lighthouse, once pursuing a keeper up and down its 219 stairs. I think if I had a man coming after me I knew was dead, I might find another place to be myself. You know, the lighthouse in question began operations in 1874, but there have been watchtowers and beacons on the site since not long after St. Augustine was founded by the Spanish in 1565. First American Lighthouse was established on Anastasia Island in 1824, built atop a Coquina Tower that the Spanish had erected 87 years earlier. Well, the lamp was darkened during the Civil War, but was relit and put back into use in 1867. And not long after that, it became apparent that the structure was doomed to fall into the ocean. So construction, a new lighthouse started in 1871. And it was during this uh, construction that tragedy struck. The supervisor of construction, Hezekiah Petit, lived on Anastasia Island with his wife Mary and their four children, Mary Adelaide, Eliza, Edward, and Carrie. Children used to play on the job site, riding a railway cart used for moving supplies from the beach to the new tower. July 10, 1873, Mary, who was 15, Eliza, who was 13, and Carrie, who was 4, along with an unknown African-American girl, were riding the cart to the shore when it flipped into the water, trapping him underneath. 
By the time rescuers got to the children, only Carrie was still alive. In the years since, lighthouse keepers, lamplighters, and visitors have reported hearing children playing and girls giggling in and around the tower. And apparitions of young girls dressed in Victorian-era clothing have been seen um, breeding on park benches. When they're approached, of course, they go, they vanish. Well, there have been a lot of stories about monsters. And, you know, the tales of these horrifying creatures, whether passed down in folklore, legend, or dreamed up for the silver screen, uh, certainly has become the stuff of nightmares. And we're going to talk about a few of those. You know, one that I spent time chasing was Bigfoot. You know, part of Native American lore for centuries, Bigfoot, also called Sasquatch, became a sensation in 1958 when a small California newspaper reported the discovery of massive footprints in the Six Rivers National Forest. There have been thousands of sightings since that time, none more famous than the 1967 film of a hairy figure walking on two legs. Uh, it was taken by a man named Roger Patterson, I think. Then there's Count Orlock. Based on Bram Stoker's Dracula, Count Orlock, the vampire antagonist and uh, German director Marno's 1922 uh, classic Nosferatu provides none of the shocking or bloody scares that modern horror connoisseurs expect. But his demonic, cadaverous form, especially when a rising stiff body from his coffin, still uh, can disturb your dreams, shall we say. And of course we have Alien in all its forms, from egg to face hugger to chest burster to Xenomorph, antagonist from director Ridley Scott's classic 1975 film Alien, though I preferred Aliens, which was the second of the series. Might be the most terrifying monster in movie history. It's never anything but a smothering, slimy, savage killing machine. Very few redeeming social qualities, shall we say. And then we have Death Angels, the gruesome, seemingly invulnerable aliens from the 2018 film A Quiet Place and its 2020 sequel, both starring Emily Blunt as a determined mom or totally blind, hunting their prey by sound. they got a super hearing. They wipe out the human race, not for food, but to eliminate the noises that drive them into a murderous rage. Well, I can understand that attitude. I hate having my sleep disturbed. Then we have Demogorgon, the human word monster from the first season of Netflix, Stranger Things. It's terrifying, tall, thin, with slimy skin, elongated limbs at uh, ending sharp claws. But the real nightmare f fuel is the monster's featureless head, which opened like a flower to reveal a gaping mouth and petals covered in teeth. Young lady I dated mother looked like that. Then we've got Pennywise. You know, the a clown phobia is a real thing. Clinical term is coulophobia. A few characters in film history explored it in more terrifying fashion than uh, Pennywise, the sadistic clown from Stephen King's best-selling horror novel, It. The uh, sewer-dwelling, shape-shifting villain preys on the children of Derry, Maine, 
feeding on their worst fears. Godzilla, monster that spoke to man's fear of a terrifying new age. It first appeared in 1954 Japanese film Gojira. About an ancient sea creature awakened by underwater hydrogen bomb testing. The movie's real terror was existential. The man who created the bomb and nature was taking its revenge. Certainly that could be possible. And we got the thing. It's the title monster from director John Carpenter's 1982 masterpiece of suspense and paranoia. It assimilates every living thing it encounters, from fluffy dogs to unsuspecting people. No single terrifying image of the creature. There are many, and they're all gruesome, gross, gory, and utterly unforgettable. And then one monster that I've had people swear to me that they've seen the head and talk about the Loch Ness Monster. The sightings of Scotland's most famous cryptid. That's an animal never proven to exist. Date uh, 564 when a visiting Irish priest compelled Nessie to, to not attack. 2014, Apple Maps captured a viral image that supposedly shows a large creature swimming below the surface of Loch Ness, which led a lot of people to believe Desi may well be real. And then we have the Wendigo, creature from the folklore of Native Americans of the Great Plains and Great Lakes region is reputed to be an evil spirit, emaciated and forever ravenous, that possesses uh, humans and turns them into bloodthirsty, cannibalistic monsters. Some mythologies, humans have become Overpowered by greed can also transform into Wendigos. Who knows? May well be something to these monsters. Well, I'm going to round out today's show with some unsolved mysteries. The, uh, go to Westfield, New Jersey. It's called, by most folks, the only thing about it, the Watcher House. It's a two-story Dutch colonial at 657 Boulevard in the New Jersey suburb of Westfield. Sold for $1.35 million in uh, 2014. And the buyers, Derek and Maria Brodus, thought they were getting their dream home. Built in 1905, the house had six bedrooms, four bathrooms, and 3,800 square feet of floor space. They had three young kids, and the house sat just under half an acre, one of the biggest lots in this uh, idyllic neighborhood. But they never moved in. June of 2014, three days after closing, Derek was at the house painting when he went outside to check the mail. And in the box, he found a white envelope addressed in handwriting to the new owners. And inside was a typed letter that welcomed the family to the neighborhood and went on to say the the, writer had, the writer had been watching the house for years and asked if the family knew about the forces inside the walls. And the letter ended up saying, Why are you here? Did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force? Though it ended with a typed signature and cursive font, The Watcher. 
Well, two more letters followed, each revealing specific details about the home and the Broadduses, and each more threatening. One said planes and cars and bicycles crash and bones break. Well, police investigations turned up nothing. After the Broadduses learned about uh, from the home's previous owners that they had received a letter from the watcher on the evening of the sale, they filed a lawsuit against them for failing to disclose it. A judge, in his infinite wisdom, dismissed the suit in 2017. 2019, the Broadduses finally sold the house for about 400000 less than they paid for it. Buyers were a couple from Westfield, suggesting, according to news reports, the locals weren't that concerned. Now, the home had been owned by only a handful of people since 1905, and nobody ever reported getting similar letters. So people are suspicious not of the watchers, but of the Broadduses. And the story, with its detailed surveillance, its intim uh, intimations about paranormal forces and elements of mysteries, creepy and compelling, it was actually the inspiration for a 2022 Netflix series. You know, the, the Watcher's fourth and final letter to the Broadduses family included a prophetic statement. You're despised by the house, and the Watcher won. Well, the letter writer hadn't been heard from in years, and the whole episode remains a mystery. It could be a major hoax. It could be something else. Nobody really knows for sure. And then, of course, in San Jose, California, we've got the, the infamous Winchester Mystery House. When he died in 1881, William Winchester, only son of the founder of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company, left his widow, Sarah, $20 million and 50% of the stock in the family business in his will. Now, that inheritance, of course, made Sarah extremely wealthy, but it didn't make her happy. Her only child died in infancy 15 years earlier, and following her husband's death, she believed she was cursed, haunted by the spirits of everybody who'd been killed by Winchester rifles. 1886, she left Connecticut and moved to San Jose, California, purchasing an eight-room family uh, farmhouse and starting renovations. She had gone to a psychic who told her that she needed to make a home for all those that had been killed by Winchester rifles. And as long as she kept building, she'd be okay. But when she stopped, no, strange things would happen. Apparently, she believed she'd go on living if the house remained under construction. But there are those that said, did she create a labyrinth to confuse the spirits she believed were haunting her? Or did she do it to appease them? Well, the only thing for certain is that the house is creepy. And it was the inspiration for the 2018 horror film Winchester. And she continued renovating right up until her death 36 years later leaving behind one of the most inscrutable construction projects in U.S. history. It's a Byzantine 160-room warrant of bedrooms and hallways. There are 2,000 doors, 52 skylights, 47 stairways, 47 fireplaces, 13 bathrooms, six kitchens, and a vast network of secret passages. And many of the house's 10,000 windows don't look on the outside. And some stairwells go nowhere and end at the ceiling. Another has seven switchbacks, but rises only nine feet. And there are doors that open onto brick walls, and one that opens to a 15-foot drop to an outdoor garden. 
Well, her her actual reason for doing all this is still a mystery, though there are many who believe the story about the psychic making the prediction. Then in Cranston, Rhode Island, we've got the Sprague Mansion, where legend tells the, of the spirit of a former butler named Charlie who reportedly haunts the mansion. He'd hoped his daughter had married the employer's son who would have made his family rich. But the wedding never took place. Now Charlie wanders the hallway searching for his lost fortune. Well, the, the estate's actually two conjoined structures. Built in 1790 and 1864 and served as the headquarters of the Sprague dynasty. The, uh, in 1808, the family founded the Sprague Print Works, one of the country's richest textile empires. Later generations branched out into other areas, including finance, the military, and politics. William Sprague III was the governor of Rhode Island in the 1830s, and then in the 1840s, he was a senator. His brother, Amasa, whose son, William Sprague IV, became governor of the state before being elected, uh, also being elected uh, U.S. senator, ran the family business. But on December 31st, 1843, Amasa was murdered near the mansion, beaten to death while inspecting his farm. Suspicion settled on Nicholas Gordon, who owned a tavern frequented by the Irish workers in Sprague's Mill. Five months earlier, Sprague had been instrumental in the town denying Gordon uh, renewal of his liquor license. Police arrested Nicholas, as well as his brothers John and William, for the killing. And the trial, which was marked by charges of anti-Irish bias, ended with John being hung on Valentine's Day in 1845. He was pardoned by Governor Lincoln Chaffee in 2011, which, of course, did him a whole lot of good. The mansion's first reported ghost encounters took place in 1925, when guests came to see a spirit in the stairway. Amasa's ghost is also said to haunt the wine cellar, wine cellar appearing as a white filmy orb. Another account tells of eerie happenings in the, the doll room, which glowing orbs were spotted, and one doll's eyes, which are painted on, have been seen moving. That's uh, definitely um, something to write home about. Then in Cleveland, Ohio, we've got Franklin Castle. Some visitors to the castle have heard phantom footsteps crossing the, the ballroom, which is on the top floor. Others have heard voices and an apparition of Louisa uh, Tideman. I've been seen looking out the window, and the room where she died in 1895 has been uh, 10 to 15 degrees colder than the rest of the house. Well, it's a sandstone Queen Anne-style residence. It has some distinctly Gothic accents, including turrets and gargoyles that uh, heighten its fortress-like look. This 21-room house was built by German immigrant Hans Tidemann, who worked his way up from barrel maker's apprentice to wholesale grocer to bank president. He and his wife Louise moved to the house in 1883 with their two surviving children. Three others died in infancy, and the fourth, Emma, 15, succumbed to diabetes in January of 1881. Three months after Emma's death, Tideman's mother also passed away at the age of 84. Well, all these deaths gave rise to rumors that Haynes, who died in 1908, was a murderer who killed his um, niece and a servant girl. But a Cleveland Magazine interview in 2019 with William Krajewski, the 
Castle's resident historian and author of the 2017 book Haunted Franklin Castle debunks that claim. He says the myth was concocted by a self-proclaimed medium who lived in the house in the 1980s. Today, the castle, which is known as Tideman House, is renowned as one of the most haunted places in the U.S. The ghosts believed to reside there are Louise Tideman, who died in 1895, and daughter Emma, who died before the house was even built. And quite often, ghosts come from the land, not from the structure, but if she didn't die there or own the property... I don't understand how she could be haunting it, unless she didn't want to be away from Mother. Then in Fall River, Massachusetts, we've got the famous Lizzie Borden House, which now operates as a museum and bed and breakfast, and it's said to still be haunted not only by the ghost of Andrew and Abby Borden, but also by the spirit of Lizzie. Her portrait hangs on a wall in the house. Well, August 4th. 1892, this modest two-story Greek revival home was a scene of a gruesome double murder. At about nine in the morning, 64-year-old Abby Borden was bludgeoned to death with a hatchet in an upstairs bedroom. About 90 minutes later, 70-year-old businessman Andrew Borden, Abby's husband, was killed in a similar fashion while reclining on a lounge in the first-floor sitting room. The only other people home at the time of the killings were Lizzie Borden, Andrew's 32-year-old daughter, and Abby's stepdaughter, and a maid who'd been sleeping in her room upstairs when she was awakened by Lizzie's uh, chilling cries of alarm. Well, police were almost immediately suspicious of Lizzie, who gave muttered and contradictory statements to investigators about her whereabouts when the killings happened. You know, I've said that many times before. Police were gut feeling, I guess you could say, decided to kill her and didn't make the evidence point to that person. Well, she was arrested and charged with murder August 11th, 1892, and went to trial in June of 1893. And the crime and the drama that played out in court made headlines across the U.S. The case against Lizzie was largely circumstantial, and she was eventually acquitted. Lived the rest of her life in Fall River, Fall River though she was shunned by many in town who remained convinced of her guilt. Well, the mystery of who killed Andrew and Abby Borden lives on as does the fascination with Lizzie. She and the case have inspired dozens of books as well as movies and plays and even a ballet. Be interesting to see a ballet dancer uh, swinging a hatchet over her head. And there's quite a number of other um, ghostly mystery stories. Uh, some factual, some not. So fancy. 1843 holiday classic, The Christmas Carol is Full of Ghosts. It has four, to be exact, including the shackle spirit of Jacob Marley, who teaches Ebenezer Scrooge, his former business partner, about the true meaning of Christmas. Scrooge resists until the ghost of Christmas yet to come scares him straight. Then, uh, by Peter Stroth, we've got Ghost Story. 1979 classic horror novel. Five elderly friends gather regularly to trade ghost stories. But one day, a member of the group dies under mysterious circumstances, and when the other four begin to dream of their own deaths, a terrible secret from their past uh, is revealed. And then by uh, Tony Marston, we got the story Beloved, post Bellum, Cincinnati. Ghost of a baby killed by her mother in order to save her from slavery is a malicious force in the mother's new home. Haunting of the house and... This 1987 novel becomes a metaphor for the way the sin of slavery continues to haunt the country.
Then Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House. I remember watching that one. To investigate the rumored hauntings of a mansion in the 1959 novel, four people come together. A paranormal scholar, his female assistant, a shy woman, and her host, the heir of, the heir of Hill House. All are unnerved by the spooky events they experience and by how the house seems to grow in power. Then the Mark Danielewski's House of Leaves. A young family moves into a new home in his 2000 novel and finds something disturbing. The house is bigger on the inside than on the outside, containing endless uh, labyrinth. So much of this book is unconventional from the structures and the page layout, but the terror it instills is real. And of course, Stephen King's very famous The Shining with Jack Nicholson. Hold up in this snowed-in Overlook Hotel with his wife and his prescient son, Jack uh, Torrance, gets the worst case of writer's block in the history of literature and goes axe-wielding insane. Ultimate case of the book being better and more terrifying than the movie, which, of course, stars Jack Nicholson as the deranged Jack. Then Shakespeare. Macbeth. Bond kills a friend and Marshall com compatriot of the title character who aspires to become King of Scotland. Also one of the at least six people murdered by Macbeth in his crazed pursuit of the crown. Banco comes back as a spirit covered in blood that only Macbeth can see. And then Henry James turned into screw. 19, an 1898 horror novel. Governess takes care of two orphans at a remote country estate where she gradually becomes to believe the grounds are haunted by the spirits of a man and a woman. She also realizes children not be able to see the, the ghost. And then Stephen Graham Jones wrote a 2020 novel called The Only Good Indians. In this novel, four young friends go hunting, make some mistakes, and upset a spirit in the process. Ten years later, the spirit returns for revenge, one friend at a time. The story depicts the struggle of Native Americans to reconcile the modern world with tribal traditions. And finally, Susan Hill's Woman in Black. Slitcher is separated from the outside world, a creepy mansion where the waters rise over its causeway in his 1983 gothic horror. He's there to unravel the deadly history of the house and the affairs of its deceased owner until the owner until the woman in black comes for him. Well, there is a um, lot of interesting stories. We've only scratched the surface, but unfortunately we run out of time. So until Monday at this time, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great weekend.